Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I'm either in step with, in sync with, according to the Spirit, going this direction, or I'm walking in and according to, in step with the flesh, going in that direction. It's one or the other. When we're told that if we're walking in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, you know what that means? You can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Trying to do two very different things at once is quite difficult, even impossible at times. But often we think we can indulge in the flesh and still walk with Jesus. As Pastor J.D. takes us through some of the reasons we go through trials, he explains that trials can serve to bring us back in step with Jesus. And when we're in step with Him, all in, it's impossible to be in step with the flesh. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's get into our study of God's Word today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and our text will be verses 16 through 21. We'll finish the chapter today. Beginning in verse 16, after telling them that the more he loves them, the less they love him in return, Paul says, be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I, verse 17, exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same Spirit? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid, verse 20, that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. So today's teaching is going to be part six of a series I've titled, Why We Go Through Trials. For those of you who have been with us over the last several weeks, it's doubtless that you've probably noticed uh, this particular series has gone a little bit longer than usual. Usually we have three or four parts, but... I think that this has been extended for what would be deemed obvious reasons. Chapters like the one before us today are such that they can be a tremendous source of encouragement, especially for those who are really going through trials in their lives and and struggles. I want to get right to our text this morning. And in order to do that, I think we need to really focus our attention 
on the passage that we have and what I see as three very important truths concerning the trials that God allows into our lives. The first truth is in verses 16 through 18, and it's that trials put us in step, or if you prefer, back in step with the Spirit. In verse 16, Paul facetiously tells them he's a crafty man, and he's caught them by his trickery, even though he's never been a financial burden to them. In verse 17, he goes on to ask them if he in any way had ever exploited them through any of the men that he had sent to them, namely Titus, who he refers to. In verse 18, he says he urged Titus to go, and he didn't exploit them, but instead they walked in the same footsteps by the same Spirit. Hang on to that for just a moment. In order to better understand what Paul is saying here and why he's saying what he's saying here, it's important that we view this through the lens of the false accusations that have been brought against the Apostle Paul, and specifically from these so-called super-apostles, most eminent apostles. They were false apostles. They were fake apostles. But they were charging exorbitant speaking fees. And the fact of the matter is these fake apostles, these super apostles were in it for the money. And it's for this reason that Paul would never take a dime from the Corinthian church, lest he become just like them, which is why they had become so vicious in their attacks against the apostle Paul. One commentator explained it this way, says, Paul's opponents, the most eminent apostles mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11.5 and 12.11, were in ministry, at least partly, for the money. They could not bear the fact that Paul didn't care about money in the ministry, so they assigned their motives to him. Paul proves that the charge he is being crafty is false. He reminds the Corinthian Christians that neither Paul nor any of his associates had ever behaved in a financially inappropriate way before the Corinthians. Here's the bottom line. Paul, Titus, et al. were all walking in purity. They were walking in integrity. And this by virtue of the fact that they were walking according to the Spirit. Maybe you've heard it said that it's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the what of the Holy Word. In other words, absent the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, there's no hope of living a holy life absent the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the how of the Holy Spirit that enables us, empowers us, in order for us to live a holy life. But there's a prerequisite, if you will, and that prerequisite is is that we have to be in step with the Spirit. We have to be walking and living according to the Spirit. Perhaps better said, we need to be in sync with the Spirit. When we walk according to the Spirit, we'll be in step 
with the Spirit, and as such, we won't, can't walk according to the flesh. The Apostle Paul expounds on this in his epistle to the church in Rome, in Romans 8. Great chapter, by the way, Romans 8, one of my favorite. If you ever are doubtful or questioning of the love that God has for you, and by the way, when you're in the middle of a trial, the enemy is right there to start planting seeds of doubt and thoughts in your mind, which is why it's so important to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ and His Word. But the enemy will say things to you like, what kind of a God is this that you serve? Look look how he's treating you. I think of John the Baptist who had a horrendous crisis of faith there in prison, so much so that he really began to question whether or not Jesus was really the Messiah. Because certainly if Jesus was the Messiah, I wouldn't be here. And so he sends his disciples to go to Jesus with a message, and the message is basically like this. Um, Are you the one, or is there one coming after you? And the Savior's response is very interesting, because he says, go back and tell John what I've done. The sick are healed, the blind see, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. What does that mean? In other words, John, you go back and tell John that regardless of the circumstances you're in, regardless of the jail you're in, regardless of the trial you're in, I am no less the Messiah in that place. Yes, you're doubting, you're, you're questioning, it's a crisis of faith. Sometimes there are those who have a crisis of faith because they know that God in an instant could deliver them from their situation, but doesn't. And so the doubt is, maybe God doesn't love me. Or worse yet, maybe God is angry with me. And that's the worst thing that you can do, is to start doubting God's love for you and start believing that God is angry with you. Just because you're in the midst of the trial of your life does not mean that you're not in the midst of God's will for your life. I think of when Jesus sent the disciples into the boat onto the Sea of Galilee to meet them on the other side. And in the midst of that Sea of Galilee, as it often happens, a storm came, a perilous storm came, And they were in a life and death situation. And of course, we know that Jesus came and approached them. Peter said, bid me come. Peter actually miraculously walked on water. But Jesus knowingly sent them into that storm. Here they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the midst of the storm of their life, yet they're right smack in the middle of God's will for their life. Never think that just because your circumstances are so perilous, that storm, that trial that you're in is so perilous, that you're not in God's will. In fact, I would argue 
Conversely, the opposite sometimes can be true. When things are going really well, oh, hey, things are going well, I must be in God's will. Not so fast. Not so fast. Sometimes it's those perilous storms that we're in that are a reminder of the fact that we're in God's will for our lives. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, verses 1 and 5. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those, verse 5, who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This was the problem within the church in Corinth. They were carnal Christians. They were worldly Christians. And they were walking and they were living according to the flesh. I would suggest that, like with the Corinthians, we too, in our carnality, need to be brought back to the Lord brought back in step with the Spirit of the Lord. And oftentimes the way God does that is by way of those fiery trials. That fiery trial that I'm in serves the purpose of getting me back in step with the Spirit. And think about it this way. If I'm walking in step Let's say I'm holding my daughter's hand and she has a shorter stride than me. Um, and I'm walking in step with her. I can't be walking in step with anyone else. I'm either in step with, in sync with, according to the Spirit, going this direction, or I'm walking in and according to, in step with the flesh, going in that direction. It's one or the other. When we're told that if we're walking in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, you know what that means? You can't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you're so busy in the Spirit, so in sync with the Spirit, so living in the Spirit, you won't be able to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You can't. It's impossible. Jesus in Matthew 6 said, you cannot serve two masters. It's either one or the other. It's either God or mammon. You can't go both directions at the same time. It's either or. He doesn't say you shouldn't serve two masters. He says you cannot. It's an impossibility. You cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh if you're in sync with and in step with the Spirit. And if you really think about it, this is the problem that God has. I don't mean to imply that God has problems. I'm just saying that, well, we're his problem in the sense that the problem he has is, how is he going to get us back in the Spirit and out of the flesh? And oh, how we oftentimes are in the flesh. I know, not you. I'll speak for myself, okay? How's he going to get me out of the flesh and back in the Spirit? Oh, he brings the trial. He brings the trial to get me back in step, to get me to return to him, change my direction. And he doesn't use condemnation. 
There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. God took all of the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the damnation, and put it on his only begotten son on that cross 2,000 years ago. That's why there's no more condemnation for us. And God is not angry with us. This has actually served as a litmus test for me in my life, in my walk with the Lord. This is how I'm able to discern whether or not it's the Lord or not. See, condemnation will distance me from God, whereas conviction will draw me near to God. In other words, when growing up, if I knew my dad was mad at me, which was a lot, <laughs> I would try to be asleep at night when he got home, and I would try to avoid him in the morning because I didn't want to be subjected to his anger and wrath. And so it put distance between me and him because if I'm thinking God's angry with me, then I'm going to keep my distance from him. You know, he's, he's angry. That's not the Lord. He's not angry. He's not angry with us. The Holy Spirit's conviction is the antithesis of condemnation. The conviction is what draws me near to the Lord, brings me back in step with the Spirit of the Lord, whereas condemnation draws me away from the Lord. And that's the litmus test. This brings us to verse 19, where we find our second truth concerning trials. And it's that they can be, and this is interesting, and I really need for you to think this through with me, but the trials can be for the benefit of someone else as well as for myself. Listen to what Paul says in verse 19. He starts off by asking the Corinthian Christians if they think he's been defending or even excusing himself when, in fact, he's spoken before God in Christ. And then... Paul, calling them dear friends, (laughs) goes on to say that everything they do has been for the edifying and strengthening of the Corinthians. What? Paul, what do you you mean? Everything that you've been through? Yeah. Well, what's the everything that Paul is referring to that's been for their betterment and for their benefit? Oh, remember the list in the previous chapter? Chapter 11, let me read verses 23 through 28. Here's everything that was for their benefit. He says, are they ministers of Christ speaking again of the fake apostles, the super apostles? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. That's in the ocean. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides, 
The other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. That's the everything he's talking about. Here's what Paul's saying to him. You guys, everything I've been through on this list was for you. It was to edify you. It was to encourage you. It was to strengthen you in your faith. I went through all of this for you, for your betterment. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that sometimes my trials, though chiefly for my betterment, are also for the betterment of other people. And let me explain why that is. People are watching our lives. People are watching how we deal with those fiery trials in our lives. People are watching how we're handling that thorn in our flesh. And here's the thing. They want us to be victorious. You know why? Because if we're victorious, that gives them hope in their trials, with their thorns, to also be victorious. Many years ago, I I heard it said this way. People are asking two questions when they watch our lives, whether they're a believer or not. You know, the Apostle Paul says we're living epistles, we're living letters. People read our lives. They read the letter of our, and they're watching very closely. And there's really two questions that they're asking. Number one, is it real? Are you the real deal? Is your faith real? Is your Christianity real? And the second question is, does it work? And, oh, by the way, they want it to work. Because if it works in your life, it gives them hope for their life. They want to see you be victorious in and through this fiery trial, because they're going through a fiery trial too. They want to see you in victory in that marriage difficulty that you have, that parenting difficulty that you have, that financial difficulty that you have. They want you to be victorious because if you're victorious, then they too can be victorious. And if it's real, if you're the real deal, if your faith is the real deal, and your Christianity works, then they're going to want that for their lives. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to listen to today's message, head to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the Listen tab. You'll also have access to a number of other teachings by Pastor J.D., as well as his weekly Aloha Prophecy Updates. You can download our mobile app to take these teachings with you wherever you go. Learn more about In Spirit and Truth and Pastor J.D. at our website and also on Twitter. We'd love to have you join the conversation there. We'd also love to meet you in person as well and would like to invite you to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and also on Thursdays at 7 p.m. 
and you'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Before we end today, Pastor J.D. has an encouraging word to share with you. It is such a blessing for me personally to be able to share God's Word with you on each edition of our In Spirit and Truth radio broadcast. Also, I'm so very thankful that you've tuned in to listen. The book of 2 Corinthians provides us a much-needed reminder of how divine power is realized in our human weakness. Sadly, though, this is not a popular topic today because, as one so aptly said it, the gospel does not ride on health and wealth, but on weakness. The ministry of the Spirit is not one of splash and flash, but of meekness and weakness. It's for this reason that 2 Corinthians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible. Not only does it provide us with the key to living victorious Christian lives, it also provides us practical application concerning how we treat other believers in our lives. It's my hope and prayer that you will be as encouraged and blessed by this book as I was. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth Radio. 